Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I am your host, Rick Wolf. And just a quick reminder that the correct time is 8.05 Daylight Savings Time. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we really zeroed in on what I consider to be at the true epicenter of all the conflicts and friction these days between sports parents and high school coaches. Specifically, I'm talking about the issue of parental expectations that so many of our moms and dads have for the kids who play sports. Now, the response to this topic was most impressive. In fact, I'm still receiving emails and blog posts about it uh, two weeks after that show aired. And because of the overwhelming response, I thought that perhaps we should revisit it again this Sunday morning. Now, if you recall, my theory was that the engine that drives so much of the, the concern and friction between enraged sports parents these days and their kids, coaches, is because of parents, and let's be honest about this, so this is different from a couple of generations ago, the parents these days become so emotionally invest, invested and involved in their kids' athletic career. Moms and dads these days start paying very close attention to their kids' athletic abilities when the, the kids are as young as five or six, and they only become more and more involved as the youngster begins to grow and to progress. So much so that by the time the kid is into travel teams, specialized summer camps, working with personal trainers, that by the time that he or she is entering high school, well, let's be candid. They've put in a lot of time, a lot of money, sweat equity into being ready to shine at the high school varsity level. And that, of course, sets the stage for when the high school varsity coach looks over all the hopefuls who are trying out for the team. Remember now, every kid who is trying out for the team, has pretty much followed the same drill like everybody else. They've all played on uh, travel ball. They all have gone to some uh, specialized camps. They have personal trainers, perhaps, and so on. So the varsity coach and his or her staff is now trying to evaluate each youngster's talents, abilities, and how they fit into the team's plans for the upcoming season. And, of course, we all know what happens if the coach doesn't see a youngster in the same way as the kid's parent does. And sure enough, the kid comes home to dinner, the mom and dad ask how practice was, and if the youngster reports that, well, it doesn't appear that the coach is going to start him or has put him in a different position or has selected someone else to be the team captain or anything else that disappoints the parent's expectations, well, that's when the problems begin to form. That's when the storm clouds begin to appear on the horizon. Now, we've discussed time and time again, parents these days do not sit back 
and simply tell their youngster to hope just for the best because, after all, the coach, the varsity coach, knows what's best for the kid and for the team. In fact, just the opposite. Moms and dads begin to grumble with all the other parents who feel that their kid is being slighted or gypped as well. And before too long, a bunch of parents are demanding to meet with a high school athletic director, or in some cases, they go right to the school principal or to the school board. Now, if the parents can really present solid evidence of a coach doing something that runs contrary to basic school policy, and let's be very clear about this, if the coach is, let's say, always always late for practice, or the coach is loud and aggressive, or is not showing respect for his players and opponents, stuff like that, well, those are the kinds of aberrant behaviors that should be brought to the attention of the athletic director. But when the issues are more focused on playing time, or the coach's game strategy the parents don't think is just right, or the coach isn't giving my kid a fair shot, that's where moms and dads have to take a step back and think twice. And that's what I want to talk about this morning with you because, as I said, we've reached a point here in the relationship between moms and dads and the coaches at the high school level that we're looking for some real breakthroughs, some real solutions, because if we don't, if we don't begin to really mend these fences and come to a mutual understanding, I, I do fear that we're going to see tremendous, tremendous breakdown in terms of high school varsity programs. You're going to see more and more coaches saying, uh, I'm not going to deal with this anymore, and they're going to just go off and become either independent or work on travel programs. And that's, that's going to be a real sea change. Maybe it's good, maybe it's not good, but it's going to be dramatic for a lot of parents and a lot of their kids. 1-877-337-6666. That, of course, is brought to you by Mohegan Sun. Unlimited possibilities await you at Mohegan Sun. Plan your stay at mohegansun.com. You know, in my mind, we've got to correct this fundamental issue. We're going, to have, we're going to have more and more conflicts if we don't really come to an agreement or an understanding of how to stop this. And why is that significant? Because, I said, you're going to see more and more talented high school coaches decide to walk away from high school programs and just go off to travel teams. And I'm convinced of this. I mean, why would a coach want to have to deal with administrative issues if they can just merely tell a parent or a travel team, a parent on a travel team, look, if your son or daughter isn't being treated well, if you think that's a problem, then please, here's your money back and go to another travel team. It's a concern. It's a real concern, and it's really become quite timely and quite topical. Okay, let's go. Let's start our conversation this morning with our friend Ed over in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Ed, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good, good. Uh, it, like I said, you're talking about the parents, you know, wanting to kind of control everything. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the tough part is uh, the parents who would ne- don't have no coaching background. I mean, if you're a parent that has coaching background, whether it's high school, college, or even on a travel level where you, where you, where you, where you have a, a good players and are able to teach them, those are the people that should have the concerns of the different parent issues that, that you just brought up. Uh, if, it, if parents don't have, have, have an idea about coaching, then they, they shouldn't have the right to complain or whatever. Well, Ed, that's, that's an interesting point. You mentioned the fact that the parents these days – they do want to have a sense of control of what's going on, and it gets really complicated if the mom or dad doesn't have any particular background as a coach or any background in that sport. Now they're sort of meddling. It's like it's sort of comparable going in to talk to a high school uh, teacher 
and explain to the teacher, well, let me explain to you how my kid should be doing better in your class. Uh, even though I don't know the subject, I'm going to tell you how, how my kid should be getting A's instead of getting C's. It gets very, very awkward very, very quickly, and it's hard for the, the coach to tell a mom or dad, look, I'm sorry, but I know what I'm doing. I don't think you do. That's, that's, that's where real problems begin. Well, I, again, well, again, it all, it all, it's a trickle-down effect, too. You, if a coach has backing from his athletic administration or even his principal or whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, then, 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 it's, then, it, then the coach can, can – I don't want to say say what he wants to say, but he could say the things in the right way to let the parents know, hey, this is, this is how I'm going to run things, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it this way. Because if, if they don't have the backing from the administration – then, then, then the coaches don't know what to say because if they say something, even though it may not be uh, out of context, parents are going to misconstrue that and, and look to try to get the coach fired in today's society. I mean, we know that. We know, we know, of course, that every coach needs to have his or her back protected by the uh, by the school administration. Uh, you know, it's curious that you know you don't we don't often hear about these kind of situations where where a parent is upset with a kid's performance. And again, I go back to the classroom. You don't hear often where, where the parent is going and uh, to the school board immediately and saying, "I want this, I want this teacher fired because my kid's not doing well in their class." That doesn't happen too often. Uh, a parent may be, dis- may be disappointed by the kid's performance in the classroom, but usually there, where that happens, there's a confrontation with the parent and 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 the teacher and the kid and say, "Look, what can my kid do to get better grades?" Absolutely. Rick, can I just bring up one one more point before I go off to you? I want to say congratulations to Ramapo College. They are in the Final Four in the D3 uh, NCAA basketball tournament. They had a great win last night beating Massachusetts Institute of Technology 68-66. So well, that's congratulations great. to Coach McBreen and his, his players and his coaching staff. Ed, Ed, thank you for that. And I will tell you, I mean, Ramapo's got an outstanding program. And you say, oh, come on, they beat MIT. Well, people who don't know basketball or D3 basketball, MIT has been a powerhouse for years in basketball. I, I have a, 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 a distant cousin, a cousin of mine who played at MIT. The kid is 6'8". He was terrific when he played at MIT, and they have a good program. So for Emma well, Paul, it, it was two different styles. Uh, MIT just came out and was bombing threes. They might have made like 18 threes last night. Uh-huh. But Ramapo ran, ran their offense where they, they're looking to penetrate to the goal, dribble and kick. They're not really a three-point shooting three, but it was amazing how two contrasting styles uh, – Went at each other last night, and it came down to a, a Chris Mosley making a, a two free throws with point nine seconds left to win a ball game. Sounds sounds like a wonderful game. So it was con- last night, Rick. Congratulations to our friends around. Hey Ed, thanks. I'll talk to you next week. All right, bye. Take care. And uh, you know, uh, Ed uh, Ed's in the middle of all this stuff as he sees this, what's happening from both sides, and he knows that something has to change uh, when it comes to parental expectations. Let's move on. Let's go to uh, Sergio, also over in New Jersey. Sergio, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, good morning. How you doing, man? How are you? I like the topic here, man. I think that, uh, you know, with today's society, uh, within the millenn- you know, start started with the millennials with all the uh, participation trophies and total inclusion and, you know, no rejection and playing games and not even keeping score and, you know, little Johnny on the end of the bench you know, has to get out and, you know, listen, I was a coach of baseball, uh, eat baseball league, and I was one of those coaches that put everybody in. Everybody played. Different mm-hmm. spots, different positions, everybody played. Right. But, but what parents don't realize is as the kids get older and, you know, teams uh, are looking to win, actually put, put a scoreboard together, uh, they're going to put the best players out there. I mean, it's just that's just the nature of the beast. Now, the parents 
that cry foul are the ones that I believe are the ones that are trying to uh, live through their kids vicariously, pushing, 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 uh, demanding, wondering why isn't he playing, not conceding to the fact that maybe Tom and Allen are a little bit better than Joey, you know, and, and well, Tom and Allen are going to bring a W to our school while if we put Joe out there, we're not going to get that W. Yes, and at the, end of, at the end of the day, W's matter starting at the high school level. Well, Serge, I was just going to say, uh, you know, I, I, this is something which I think may, may be a real part of this. As you said, uh, when the kids start out these days in, in the youth leagues, and uh, there is a sense of whether it's everybody gets a trophy just for showing up. The fact yes. is everybody plays equally. Everybody's entitled to, to go out and be in the field. But I think parents sometimes buy into this too much because by the time the kids progress, as you say, into high school, well, now it's different. The priorities shift a lot. And now at the time of year at the varsity level, which is obviously for most kids, that's the highest as far as they're going to go in sports. Exactly. The best kids play at the high school varsity level. And, of course, the parents might say, yeah, but, you know, my kid grew up in a time where everybody played equally. Well, that's not the way yeah. it is in high school varsity. And I'm not sure that's well explained to a lot of moms and dads along the way because they've been brought up with the sense that, no, my kid's in the team, my kid plays like everybody else, and that does change. And, and Sergio, thank you for the call this morning. You know, I, I don't know if we've lost track of that, but maybe that's some, a fundamental concept that, you know, as, a, as the priorities shift from the time the kids are in fourth or fifth grade to the time they're juniors and seniors in high school, things do change. And that's just the, the, the hardcore reality of this. And I'm not sure that people maybe they don't they don't see this, or they just see that. Well, no, my kid's still one of the best players, and then we got obviously a problem with perception, and again that leads to conflict as well. Okay, we're talking about parental expectations again this week, and what can be done to correct it. Uh, we're taking your calls on one eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. We're going to take a timeout. Dave Uram has your update. When I return, I go right back to your calls. Stay with me. And welcome back to uh, the Sports Edge, where the correct time is uh, just about 8.23, daylight savings time. Uh, I'm your host, Rick Wolf. We're talking this morning again about the huge and ongoing issue of parental expectations and how these often really get in the way and sometimes blur the objectivity of moms and dads when it comes to their kids in sports, particularly at the high school level where the kids are thinking about, maybe I want to go on and play in college. In fact, I just want to, we're talking about solutions here, and we're taking your calls at one 337 I want to point out, because when our friend Ed called uh, earlier in the show, he was talking about the, the great success of Ramapo uh, men's basketball. You know, I, I've said this many times, and I, I keep emphasizing this. If you think your son or daughter thinks they want to go on to play sports in college, uh, whether at the Division One, Two, or Three level, I absolutely urge you, when, when your youngster is perhaps between their sophomore and junior year or junior and senior year of high school, please go and visit a college, uh, and you can start at the D3 level or D2 level, and get there and go watch a practice when your kid's sport. So uh, you as the parent, which is important, as well as your youngster, you really have a, sh- a chance to see just how good these kids are at the D2 or D3 level. I'm not even talking about D1. I'm talking about the D3 level because you're going to be impressed. I'm telling you, you're going to be stunned 
uh, just how good uh, athletic these kids are, uh, how how big, how fast, how strong they are. And if you have a chance to check out their website, and of course most colleges do have uh, athletic websites, you'll be amazed, or maybe you won't be amazed, but you'll be you'll be impressed that so many of these kids at the D3 level have come from high school programs where these kids have won all sorts of awards and accolades as high school players themselves. Understand this, that, you know, you better come to grips with reality and you're better off showing your youngster as well just how good you have to be to play sports, even at the D3 level. And and that's something which I think is a great wake-up call for all parents and for all kids, particularly for those parents who may not have been athletes themselves they really gonna have to get a sense of what, what lies ahead for the youngster if they want to go on to play college sports. Uh, I think that will help sort of calm down or tamp down some of the parental expectations once they see up close and in person just how good their kid has to be to progress to the next level. Okay, let's get back to our calls. Let's go out to Long Island. Steve, good morning. You're on the fan. Steve, you there? Hey, good, hey, good morning, Rick. How are you? I love your show. Thank you, Steve. So I don't know if uh, any callers in the past have approached it from this perspective, and I'm seeing a lot of it here on Long Island. Obviously, it's very competitive here on Long Island, but where it's competitive everywhere. Mm-hmm. Where you may have some coaches that are affiliated or have connections with uh, with travel programs, and and somehow the travel programs, you know, somehow influence on on who makes what team, whether it's a JV, whether it's a varsity team, and sometimes regardless of of the child's talent and, and where they actually should be that's something that needs to be obviously controlled at, at the at the school level the the, the director of, of, of athletics um but somehow that that's awfully awfully difficult to turn around and prove and obviously you know the parents are in a in a between a rock and a hard place so it, it's it's really unfair to the child if the child should be on on a varsity team and and somehow, because of the influence, or that coach coaches in the travel program on Long Island, or any other program on in, in any state, it just shouldn't happen. I mean, well, again, Steve, it's, 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 it is a, it is a concern, and as you just pointed out, and I agree with you, it's very difficult to try and uh, correct this or enforce this. There should be, look just for people who may not be that familiar with this. Travel teams, of course, are run independently. They have nothing to do with the school or the school. The school has no jurisdiction over the school as to who runs the programs and so on and so forth. Uh, however, uh, the, the, the kids on the way up and their parents, they begin to get a sense of which are the, the preferable travel teams to be on. And clearly, we know, what, for better or for worse, a lot of the coaches who run the travel programs will often talk to the high school varsity coaches because they're all, the, they're all working with the same kids. And the varsity coach might make a very, uh, you know, very polite or very innocent call to a travel team coach to tell me uh, how how was this kid progressing over the course of the summer and so on and so forth. Theoretically, there should be no contact between the travel program and the varsity coach. And as you said, sometimes there are programs, and this is not really a good thing, where the, the high school coach is somehow involved in the travel program outside of school. Uh, but the point is that these things do happen, and yes, coaches are easily uh, swayed or influenced. They might hear something that they want to look at a kid a little more. It, it gets to be very difficult. I do think, to your point, Steve, that there should be a better demarcation or more of a sense to, to tell high school varsity coaches, please understand, travel coaches uh, have nothing to do with your program, have nothing to do with the school district. Here in the school, we're trying to be uh, you know, as, as fair 
and as straightforward as possible with our kids. So please don't don't be influenced by outside influences. I mean, I think I think that's what you're sort of saying, right, Steve? That's correct, Rick. Um, and any coach that basically doesn't see it on their uh, it takes it for their own merits. That obviously they they've been put in that position because they they're in a position that they can assess the talent of the child. It should be independent. I, listen, I have no problem with, with, with outside programs talking to, to coaches, but at the end of the day, make it an independent call. Don't well, be influenced. Oh, I want my son on the – on. I, I want this kid to be on the varsity team because of X, Y, Z. It, it should be independent of each other. I, I mean, I, I think, yes, I happen to agree with that. I mean, I, I know that uh, a lot of times parents will, will ask travel team coaches – and say, look, would you do me a favor? The high school coach uh, doesn't know my kid, or, or the high school coach is new to the program. Would you be so kind as to email the, new, the coach and explain to him or her just how good my kid is or how much progress my kid has made over the course of the summer? And I guess we can't stop that. But to your point, Steve, at the end of the day, remind the high school varsity coach, it's you, you're the guy or you're the gal that's making the call on this. We expect you in your professional role to make the decisions based upon fair and objective evaluations, based upon what you see, what you personally see and your staff sees at practice and school, not based upon recommendations from outside the, the school district. And I think that has to be sort of hammered home, not just to the, the coaches at the high school level, but also to the parents as well. Because parents say, look, I, I'm, I took my kid and put him in a specialized camp. I have my kid uh, playing a specialized travel program. No, it's at the end of the day, that's fine. To develop your kids' skills, but at the end of the day, you have to respect what the high school coach has to offer and how he or she evaluates your your son or daughter. And I think that's the way it should be. I agree. Thanks, Rick. Thanks Th- for taking my call. Thanks, Steve. Good point. I mean, I think, again, travel teams are all part and parcel of this. Travel teams didn't exist 25 years ago. Now they do, and they do have an influence on what's going on. one 337 6666 Let's continue with Harry up in Mount Vernon. Harry, good morning. You're on the fan. How you doing, Rick? Good to talk to you again. Yes, Harry. How are you? All right. Now, I got a perspective from a parent, a coach, and an AAU coach. Okay. A high school and then an AAU coach. I played in high school, college, and semi-pro. Yep. My best friend played in the NBA. I'm from Malvern, New York. Mm-hmm. Won a championship. So I, I know about basketball. I've been around it my whole life. I played it. Now, for some of these parents, like this, a couple of callers have said, they need to go through the rigors of what it takes to be a coach first and foremost. But being in the 21st century and everything is electronic, parents have much more say in what happens with their kid because of their ability to email, to get in contact with coaches. Years ago when you and I grew up, that was there was never any contact with a coach by a parent. He just watched, and the, whatever the coach said was the word. You right. couldn't go against it but today has changed so much because of the money aspect and these parents having so high expectations thinking that their kids are super when they're just average and you know it i know it and the parents know it but they want to live like a caller earlier said vicariously through their kids i took the route of being a parent watching my son and thinking that because i played in college as many parents who do my kids going to have that same gene to be able to do that so my advice to some of these parents are, like you said, start at the Division three level where my son plays, played at and uh, is currently playing at, and look at the talent level there. Everybody thinks their kid is good enough to be in Division one. There's only 3% of the kids in this whole entire country that even sniff a scholarship at Division one, And that's where the 
false misnomer is where everybody thinks the kid is going to get a scholarship and you're more likely to go to Division three or Division two. But what I'm telling you is I took and put my money where my mouth was. I worked for the New York City Transit and drove a bus for 30 years. But when I said I wanted to watch my kid play in high school, I went and saw and I thought I could do better. I went and became a coach. I had to be an apprentice coach for six years. In New York State, you have to be licensed if you're not a teacher. Mm-hmm. That's another, another part of the problem. Mm-hmm. These teachers get these jobs because it's part of their curriculum. Some of them have no knowledge in the sports that they're coaching, but because they're teachers, they get the job. I was a layperson coming from the outside, so I had to go through the courses. I had to take first aid, CPR, child abuse, all of the things, uh, understanding of, you know, physics and all of these different things that are involved in the sport, and you have to get a license. So let some of these coaches, I mean, parents, see what it takes to become a coach if you're not a teacher, first and foremost. I had a parent who called up and said to me, I don't understand why my son is not getting playing time. You know what I told him? I said, come to one of my practices, take a look for yourself and see. Because the parent was obviously a player in college and thought his son was to be as good. He came to the practice. I saw him at the window. When I looked back, I didn't see him there anymore, and I didn't get any more calls from that parent the whole season. So this is what the problem is. Well, this, I, I went know, through the <laughs> right. I'm sorry. Uh, I was going to say, and everything I'm listening to, what you say, I, you know, you, you just said you've been right there on the front line in the trenches and you just said, you, you basically said, okay, I, I've, been, I've worked uh, outside of education, but I, by golly, I'm going to decide I, I want to be a high school coach. And you went to all the training right. and paid your dues and did all the, yeah. the licensing and so on and so forth. And then when a parent comes and says, I don't understand, you know, my kid's not playing much. Well, Harry, you know, that you said to the parent, to the dad, come watch a practice. Because the reality is, and I think this is something that so many parents do not do, they don't okay. actually sit down with their youngster when the kids in high school and say, tell me the truth, how do you match up? How do you see yourself compared to your peers on the team? Do you think that you should be starting? Do you think you're the best uh, point guard? Do you think you're the best, uh, you know, shortstop? Do you think you're, I mean, let the kid educate the mom and dad, and maybe that will calm down or, or help, you know, cool down the expectations when it's their own son or daughter saying, well, I'm very good at this and I love playing the sport, but I'm not really the best kid in the team or I'm not really the kid you're batting, you know, being the star. And I don't think those conversations go. happen because you said, you know, parents have their own dreams of expectations for the kids and it's not really often rooted with the kid. Exactly. I, mean, I have two more points and I'm going to let you, I know you got to go on the other Yes. Call. Okay. What, and putting my money where my mouth was and going through all of that while I was working a job, my job and doing a second job as a coach, coming home late at night and doing all that stuff. Yeah. Right. I I actually got to go through all the rigors and see what it took. And I started my own organization, which is called ETA excellence through athletics up here in the Hudson Valley. And we took quote unquote, the kids from teams that are not the man on their team, because so many kids don't get an opportunity, a fair shake and put those kids on teams and gave them the ability so, like, if they went to their game, they didn't get to play, they came to my program and they got to play and got to have that camaraderie, which you get from sports. That's the main thing. Right. So it's not all about the uh, elite athletes. Because uh, you can look at last night's game, Villanova and Providence, Brunson, case in point, his father played as a journeyman in the NBA. Kid to be, and he worked and did all the that you could do with your kid. You got to see it firsthand. They did a, a, a spot on it last night. You saw it. I'm sure you did. Yep. 
and Brun- and they won the championship, the Big East championship last night. Brunson had 31 points. He- you can see what hard work pays off in your child, but every kid is not going to assimilate that hard road that it takes to get to be that level, and parents are pushing their kids too hard. But my organization takes those kids and gives them like a second-chance opportunity. And you never know where there's a diamond in the rough. The odds of getting to the level that these parents think their kids get to is astronomical. But get the chance, but these parents have to have realistic expectations, go in, and like you said, go to Division Three, Division Two. It is tough as hell. Well, Harry, no let me... <laughs> Harry, uh, my thanks for your excellent insight and, and thoughts. I do have to uh, break here, but uh, again, thank yes, you again for your call. Appreciate it greatly. And, and you know, Harry's been in the front line, you know, and, and he knows what it takes. And again, we're talking about a program as, as, as prestigious and as, as wonderful as Mount Vernon High School, you know, basketball over the years and how many great players they've propelled. But we only hear about the kids who go on to play uh, at the D1 or at the NBA level out of Mount Vernon. Harry's point is that, look, most of the kids don't do that. And even getting to a D3 program is very, very difficult. And that's something where parents just don't seem to understand. And that's why I urge you, please, if your kid thinks they want to go on to the next level or you think your kid is that good to go on to the next level, go out and take a a weekend and go to a D3 school, uh, not D1, just D3, and see for yourself uh, just how, how rigorous and how competitive and how talented those athletes are. They may, that may sort of get you some, uh, some food for thought and to recalibrate just how far you think your son or daughter is going to go in sports. I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm just trying to give you a reality check, as simple as that. Okay. Of sports, don't forget it. At nine o'clock this morning, Ed Randall's talking baseball follows this program. Make sure you stick around and uh, check in with Ed and his wonderful guest interviews. At, again, at nine o'clock this morning. Speaking of which, the uh, correct time now is eight forty-three. Daylight savings time. And also, I, I ask you to check out uh, my website and blog at askcoachwolf.com, where you can track the the conversations and themes that we do, in fact, discuss on this show. Uh, and obviously, I'd like you to, to chime in with your own thoughts and opinions as well. Again, at AskCoachWolf.com. You can also, by the way, order a copy of my new book, uh, Secrets of Sports Psychology Revealed. That's on the website as well. Right now, we're talking about parental expectations, which absolutely, to my mind, is the biggest concern, the biggest threat that faces uh, high school coaches, athletic directors, uh, kids playing sports at the high school level, and, and we have to somehow come to to terms with this issue. Uh, I have a couple of thoughts and suggestions I'll share with you in a minute, but I do want to get your calls at one eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Let's go to uh, Hank in uh, Richfield Park. Hank, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, Rick. Uh, my uh, my brother and my sons and my nephews are all in this uh, baseball school business, and they're pretty successful. And uh, my son is also a freshman coach at a predominantly uh, parochial school up in North Jersey. Uh-huh. And, you know, he's got uh, 40 kids trying out for his team, and he had to cut some kids that were pretty decent kids, but not at the level to, to play at that level. Uh, 
and that parochial level. You right. know, he says the kids are probably better off staying in their own public schools and they got a better shot to play. And he feels bad cutting them, but when you get to high school, it's about winning baseball games. Well, you know, Hank, it's, it's funny you mention that because one of the the, um, the trends we've seen uh, in recent years is as as kids and their parents, you know, look upon the, the landscape and they say, well, you know, uh, sometimes they feel that the, the, the school in which the kid is playing, let's say it's a public school program, is not what the parent thinks is up to snuff. And then the kid will say, well, you know, I'm, I'm just going to, why don't we just transfer to a parochial or private school? It's obviously much, much more expensive than going to the local public school, but perhaps that, that private or parochial school would be a, a better showcase, would be better coaching, uh, better talent, better competition, whatever it might be. And, you know, I, the reality is that's fine. If, if you feel that your kid is, is in a program that's not uh, up to snuff or for some reason it's too small, whatever the reason may be, if you sit down with your youngster and say, let's talk about this, maybe it would be, it'd behoove us to have you transfer to a different school, and that's become fairly routine and commonplace. But, Hank, as you point out, on the flip side of that is that some of these schools, particularly the you know, traditional uh, parochial schools where the, you know, the teams are particularly strong, kid might come in there and say, you know what, not only is this a better program, but I'm not good enough here to make the team. Now right. That, some yeah. Some kids uh, realize that, but a lot of the parents don't. And uh, you know, the, like a lot of the eighth graders, they'll play over the summer for for one of the coaches will run a summer team, and the parents think that that's a ticket that they make the team automatically. But what they find out, it doesn't. You know, they think because they're paying for the summer and they're staying with the coaches that they're gonna automatically make the team. Doesn't work that way. I, you know, Hank, this is this is uh, uh it, it's so frustrating for everybody involved and all it takes is a little communication or maybe the 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 you know for the the the, the parents to be told you understand just because your kid's playing here in the eighth grade summer league team does not in any way guarantee your kid's going to make the team as a freshman um right those days of us playing connie mack and american legion playing with all our schoolmates and going to school all together most of us those days are over. You don't see that uh, too much anymore. The no, Connie you Mack don't. isn't even in existence in uh, Ex- North Jersey anymore. And that was a big league. We had a lot of great players come through that league. No, it's but a- now it's all travel stuff. Yeah, and honestly, the, as, as the Connie Macks of the world have disappeared from the from the landscape, yeah, travel programs have uh, basically mushroomed everywhere. The problem is even with travel teams, they're all different various levels of travel programs. So, you know, it's it's very hard for a, a parent to understand, well, my kid is the star on, on his travel team. Yeah, but that travel team is not really one of the more competitive travel programs as opposed to as compared to these other ones. Right, and those travel, yeah. Go ahead. I mean, it's just, it's, it's no, just And the travel programs are a lot of money, and lessons are a lot of money. I know I had two brothers that were drafted. My father couldn't have afford for us to play on a travel team or to take uh, hitting lessons, you know. I mean, the hitting lessons probably would have done me some good, but... You know, my brothers did pretty good without all that stuff. Well, Hank, I tell but, you, it's a, diff- know, it's it's a, a different, different, it's a different world out there today, boy. I tell you, uh, absolutely. And and uh, thank you for the for the thought this morning, Hank. Appreciate it greatly. You know, and and that's 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 something that you know, talking about transferring schools. Well, okay, you said yeah, that's done routinely these days. We know, of course, it's been a hotbed, particularly with boys basketball over in Jersey. But the fact is, understand this: before you make that leap from a public school to a private school or a, a parochial program, you better make sure that your youngster 
has got a real solid chance to really go to that program and be you know, a, a contributor in terms of playing time and so on and so forth. If you just go in there and just figure, well, here I am, I've transferred in, and I'm sure I'll be a star here, you're going to be find yourself more times than not all of a sudden sort of the odd man out because we do know these parochial and, and private schools often will, will you know, reach out and recruit and so on and so forth. You've got to be aware of that because all of a sudden now you're sort of you know, looking to transfer again and, you know, what's what, on your kid's high school transcript, well, he transferred once, twice. That, that, college coaches do, a pe- do pay attention to that kind of thing. Let's move on. Let's go, to, uh, let's go to Travis in Astoria. Travis, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, good morning. Uh, and I love that you touch on this kind of stuff. It's not common that, that uh, really anyone does. But um, more importantly, so I went to a prep school. I went to the Pennington School, and I wrestled there. And that's, they're not known for their sports or anything, but it's just it's kind of done a different way. I'm sorry, Travis, where, where, where'd you go to school for, for wrestling? I went to the Pennington School. Okay, in private New Jersey. school. Sure, Pennington, okay, right. Yeah. So it was in the prep ranks, and we had we we wrestled against the the Petty and the Hun schools the like Bear that. Academies. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The, yeah, the big time schools, but we ourselves were you know second rate to even that of I I grew up in Homedale. Homedale would have would have beaten the heck out of Pennington's wrestling school. However, um, we're sitting there going against Blair Academy, who's going to beat the heck out of that Homedale's wrestling team. So things <laughs> okay. like that. All right. Um, but it's, it's it's the way that it's treated, I think, and. Um, in the preps, it's just treated. You're 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 taught in in wrestling at least. You're taught to cut the weight, you know, from when you're a, a freshman on down, um, as opposed to when you're in the in the public school ranks where it's, a, it's they're easier on you. Whether it's a, a highly ranked school or not, they're just easier on you. And I think a lot of it is um, it's kind of the pressure of being in those ranks. I mean, it's, there's no reason to be harder or easier on a student or on a student athlete because of where they're placed in school or where they're expected to be based on their age and, and, and where they've gotten, you know, that far in their life. But you're a 14 year old, 15 year old kid. I, it's, it's unfair. I know a lot of times we, we talk about the parents on this program and, and the fault that they have, but the coaches, I think, and just in general, the pressure that life puts on these kids is tough and kind of harder to, uh, well, Travis, I, 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 you know, I'm so glad you called in because you, you're basically presenting a perspective I, I touched upon a few minutes ago, and that is I, I urge moms and dads to understand, look, before you start planning for the kid to go to college and playing sports in college or wrestling in, in college, you know, sit down with your youngster and say, just tell me how good you really think you are and how do you really honestly stack up against your competition. You know, Travis, I think you that's said, I mean, so, yeah, you, you, you wrestled at Pennington. But he said, well, you know, I, was, I wrestled there, but I also knew in my heart of hearts that if we took on Homedale, we'd get crushed. So right, I, I, I could stack myself up against the competition, but I don't think every single high school athlete can do that. And I, well, that's, and why, I, that's why I say to, 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 as I said before, and I emphasize this, you know, if you're a high school athlete and you think you're, you're a big fish in a small pond and you just don't know how good other kids are in Pennsylvania or Iowa, whatever it might be, you better go out and make sure you go and see some of those, the, the other kids when, at the D2 or D3 but or not, D1 level, you know? Especially in a sport like wrestling where it's not, it's not as big as like a bat. If you're a big name in basketball, they're going to come, they're going to flock, or you're going to know schools that wrestling on a lower level. That, these college athletics, I mean, everyone wants to pay all these big-time premier 
basketball players, but there's Title Nine. You no, have to play I, everybody. If you pay a college basketball player, you gotta pay. You gotta pay a college wrestler. Well, so, I, <laughs> there's I'll, so much pressure on these guys. That's all I'm saying, and it's and it's more than just the parents or the coaches. It's kind of just life. There's pressure in life, and I don't think that's easily calculated. And we're putting a lot on other people surrounding them than just the the life pressures. That I, they're on. I hear what you're saying, Travis. Thank you for the call. And yeah, look, there's of course pressure. Pressure is part and parcel of competitive sports. We know that. It's also part of academics as well. It's part of being in part of the uh, in part of our society. There's pressure on us every day to perform and uh, to perform to our best of our abilities. Uh, but to Travis's point, you know, and I mentioned this before about you know getting kids a chance to see beyond their 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 boundaries within their own school to see just how good they are. Uh, I, I recall. Uh, when my youngest daughter, Samantha, who was a terrific high school athlete, I mean, she was quite talented, and, and her favorite sport was lacrosse, and I remember she went to um, uh, these week-long, she go to a week-long summer camp, one was up at, the, at Colgate University, and, and Sam came home ecstatic because uh, in this particular program for a week, she was one of the better players there and, and uh, was thrilled that she had done so well, and then she went to another <laughs> camp, I think this one was down at Duke, and and uh, she came home with a different kind of uh, reality check. She said to uh, to me, Dad, uh, I was good against those girls up at Colgate, but at Duke, well, all of a sudden I was playing against uh, kids my age who were just uh, uh, large, fast, big, strong, and suddenly I got a sense that, yeah, I, I'm sure I can probably play somewhere in college, but perhaps not at that level because these kids, I could see for myself just how good they were and how I compared against them. And that's what I'm trying to get at here. You know, it's not about parental expectations. It's about your kids' expectations. And the only way they get a sense of where they stand in the grand stand, the grand scheme of all this, is they got to see for themselves how other kids are, their age, and what, how, they, how they compare. And that is such an important lesson because I do think it goes right to the heart of parental expectations. If you sit down with your son or daughter and say, look, let's just get a sense of where you really – you know, rank uh, in terms of abilities with other kids who played that same sport in other other states, uh, other communities. And that, I think, is critical. All right, let me take a pause. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color, starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. 